Hello and welcome to Future Building. I'm Matthew Aitchison and I'm professor at Monash University and CEO of Building 4.0 CRC, a cooperative R&D hub for the building industry. In this podcast, we take a broad look at buildings and building in contemporary society and what's coming down the pipeline in the future. In upcoming episodes, we'll talk with invited guests and experts in the field where we'll cover news and trends along with research and developments in the industry. Many people see it as inevitable that the future of building will be dominated by a more industrialized approach. But what do we mean by industrialized building and how would it be different from traditional building? At a very simple level, it means building will look more like manufacturing and less like traditional construction. But as we will hear today, it goes much further than this. So what are all the characteristics of industrialized building? Has anyone done it well? And if so, what could we learn from them? Well, today we're fortunate to be able to answer all of these questions and more with our guest, Professor Yaka Lessing. Besides being one of the most influential theorists of industrialized building, Yaka is highly unusual in that he has also put his theory into practice, namely with his work as research director for Buchlock, one of the world's leading industrialized house building companies, which is a joint venture between Swedish furniture giant IKEA and one of the largest Swedish building companies, Skanska. Jaka did his PhD at Lund University in Sweden, resulting in the dream of every PhD student, namely to write a thesis that becomes an instant classic in the field. Apart from his important analysis and theory of industrialization and his work at Buchlock, Jaka is also adjunct professor at Stanford University. At Stanford, he teaches industrialized construction, and he's also the co-founder of the annual Industrialized Construction Forum. A couple of highlights for me from this interview were really found in the amazing efficiency of Buchlock, around 50% faster than traditional processes. So for those of you who are wondering what some of the advantages of a more industrialized approach to house building may be, you can find it in that answer alone. Yaka also has some really good recommendations for what companies starting out could learn from Buchlock. And finally, Yaka talks about the importance of research industry collaboration in Sweden's outstanding progress in the field of industrialized building. I hope you enjoy our interview. I spoke with Yaka at his home office in March 2023, located halfway between Malmö and Helsingborg on Sweden's southern coast. Jaka, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, Matthew. I'm super excited uh, to be here. Wonderful. Jaka, as we heard in the introduction, you're uh, somewhat unusual in our industry and in that you seem equally comfortable in commercial industry and academia. Before we dive into the specifics of your work, can I ask you to reflect on your unique position in the industry and how you think it's shaped your views? Absolutely. Um... First of all, I've always enjoyed uh, both uh, worlds, if we put it that way, both industry and academia. And I don't like, actually, when people talk about uh, the industry as the reality. And then sometimes when I've been in, in academia, they've said, yeah, when are you coming back to the reality where the real things are happening? I don't like that <laughs> because I think it's the same reality that we're dealing with but we use different tools uh, to, to work with it. Uh, so, but in any way, I, I, I really like the 
sort of can-do attitude in the industry where we create buildings and homes and cities and, I mean, very physical and, and concrete things. And that affects everyone, uh, every person, I think. Uh, but I also like the freedom to think and reflect and describe and analyze and so on, all that what we do in academia. And I think both these uh, parts of reality, uh, they depend on each other, they, they can nurture uh, on each other and, and, and uh, yeah, I think improve by by connecting these two parts of reality and maybe that's been when been one of my my uh, roles to have to be to go between these and and bring uh, ideas and so on uh, back and forth to to push the 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 boundary a little uh, forward and that's been very rewarding for me and i think and i hope that i have have brought uh, brought knowledge from from uh, the two uh, parts of reality back and forth, and I I intend to keep uh, keep going back and forth because I think that's uh, interesting and I think it's important too. Well, I can definitely assure you that you've brought knowledge between the two. Um, I certainly have learned a lot from you, uh, as has um, or have many members of our team. But I, I have to follow up with an unfair question. And the unfair question is, if you had to choose one, which would you choose? <laughs> yeah, it's unfair, I think. <laughs> and the good thing is it's not for real. But uh, if I put it this way, I have actually spent more time in industry than in academia. So maybe that's the answer then. Uh, that, that would be my choice. But uh, luckily, I don't think I, I will have to make that, that choice. Because the good thing is that, that uh, I mean, creativity and what we call innovation, these things, they live in both worlds. So we can actually uh, get to that uh, from, from different angles, but, uh, but in both industry and academia. And that's the good thing, especially innovation is is a word and, and a concept that we hear both in academia and in industry and i think that's a good sort of connector between the the two completely agree with that um yeah god i'd like to move now to bukluk uh forgive me if i'm not pronouncing that correctly uh and your role as director of research and development there for our listeners who may not have come across bukluk before how would you describe the company and what it does yeah, so Bukluk is a concept and also a company uh, developed by IKEA and Skanska together. IKEA, the furniture company, and Skanska, the construction company. And Bukluk, uh, we are offering sustainable homes to the many people. Uh, many people means the large uh, customer group in society, especially those with slightly thinner uh, wallets, so to say. Yes. Uh, and Bukluk's enablers to achieve this has been to uh, to first work with a thorough customer knowledge and to translate that into a very strict product orientation. We see our buildings and homes as products. 
and then we produce this in uh, uh, factory production. So we use industrialized construction methods, both for product and for, for production, to enable this and produce and build our, our high quality homes. So that's that's what we do. Great. Um, and now, look, I, I'm, I was feigning ignorance somewhat because I've had the pleasure of visiting uh, your company a couple of times in Sweden. And for our listeners, I should point out that in a couple of weeks, I'll have the pleasure again uh, to go to Malmo and 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 visit um, the team and, and to look at new buildings. So perhaps about that, yeah, I just want to mention also that we are not anymore a startup. We, we were, Bookluck was founded in 1996. And since then, of course, there's been a lot of water under under the bridges. But we have built during this time we have built around fifteen thousand homes, and mainly in Sweden, but also in Finland, Norway, and uh, uh, recently started also in the UK. So I just want to mention that that we we have covered some ground with uh, the concept in that sense. Quite a bit of ground, yeah. So uh, look, turning now to some of your academic engagements, just to give our audience a, a bit of an overview of, of your versatility, you did your PhD at Lund University, and you published in that process some seminal works that we'll come back to in just a minute. Uh, is this what led you to Stanford initially? And can you tell us a little more about what you do at Stanford? Uh, yes, it's it's correct. It was actually my framework for industrialized construction that led me to Stanford University. I was invited uh, in 2013 to do research uh, and to teach students about industrialized construction, because at that time, uh, industrialized construction was not very present at Stanford. And uh, the professor, Martin Fisher, he we had met a couple of times and he invited me to come and he said, can you please give uh, some lectures about industrialized construction? Because I think our students will be very interested in that. And I think he was very right because the course uh, that I gave became very popular. And a group of students that took the course the first year, the next year, the, the year after, they, they went knocking on the professor's door and demanded, <laughs> so to say, that I was could be invited back the year uh yeah the, the the year after 2014 and i was and i am um, i'm now celebrating 10 years at stanford so i've been back every year since then i have had uh, the role as adjunct professor since six years um and my main role is to teach this course called industrialized construction uh, but also to organize a conference that we do every year that we call industrialized construction forum which is an industry academia conference that we do in February every year since 2014 too. And you were there, Matthew, uh, last time as a keynote speaker. We were super happy about that. Uh, thank you, Yak. It was absolutely my pleasure to go. And um, for our audience, I can wholly recommend that conference. I think it's um, one of the top three conferences in the world for sure. Uh, and I would strongly advise if you're interested in this area, you should definitely get there in February. Um, yeah, I think that makes a really nice segue to the next section of our interview. 
Uh, and that is to do somewhat of a deeper dive into your work, uh, both at Buchlock and uh, in your academia, in your theory and in your analysis. Stepping back a little, when I think of your work, I think of the theory of the industrialization of building. And what I was hoping you might do, perhaps in the same way you do for those students at Stanford, is break down what you think industrialized construction is. And I should point out here before you get going uh, that I have tended on this podcast and elsewhere to refer to it as industrialized building. Um, I'm not sure if you see a difference uh, between those two terms, but um, uh, don't be distracted uh, if I sometimes uh, inadvertently blurt out industrialized building instead of your preferred industrialized construction. So back to the question, um, how how would you describe industrialized construction and what it is? Uh, I think maybe we'll have to do with the short version here uh, because uh, <laughs> the course, the Stanford course is 10 weeks. So I think we don't have that time maybe in the interview. Uh, but the short version is that I think it's about creating building systems or platforms or products, whatever term you'd like to use, to create that together with a production system that is suitable to produce what you have decided to, to build, what you have designed, that is. Uh, and you use your product together with your production system. You use that to create buildings in a continuous process. So it's you move away from the sort of traditional project-oriented uh, view and you, you end up in a more continuous process where you repeat uh, the solutions in your uh, product or billing system or platform, whatever you, you choose to, to term it. And then uh, you produce that on a repetitive basis. Doesn't mean that you have to build identical buildings, of course, but you use the same content, you use the same methods, you use the same uh, processes. And in that way, uh, we create, uh, high quality buildings, but in a continuous process. The slightly longer story is maybe that uh, industrialized construction or industrialized building is built up by, as I think we'll maybe discuss slightly further, uh, but it's built up by nine areas, sub areas, eight plus one. Uh, and these need to be integrated to strengthen each other. Uh, and none of these are, are anything new. It's, uh, it's about logistics, it's about digitalization, it's about uh, prefabrication, it's about long-term relations and so on. Nothing new, but the, the, the thing is here that we need to really decide on how to work with this, get them to work together, integrate, uh, and, and that's how we create this uh, continuous process of, of product and production. This, I think, if, if we see these eight plus one uh, parts as in ingredients, they can then be used in a variety of, if we put it that way, recipes, the proportions, how we use them to set up building systems and production systems that we can, then we can use to deliver what you as a company has decided to specialize in because specialization is important here. We have to choose what to do with this product and production system, because we can't have that open and that wide uh, product and production system that can build anything for anyone anywhere, because then 
we are, I think, in the traditional uh, process. So we need to specialize, and that's when we also tend to get good at it. Um, uh, just a question um, for some of the listeners. So uh, a lot of people that I have met um, that perhaps haven't read as much of the theory as, as you and I have would say, oh, isn't industrialized construction prefabrication or offsite building or um, any of the other sort of synonyms? What what would you say to those people, Yaka, to describe the difference between what you're talking about and say uh, prefab or offsite? Yeah, I think it, it it's very common to to see the connections there, and there is of course a connection because prefabrication is a very interesting and a very uh, powerful way of building. But I think. I mean, if we go back to why we need to industrialize, it's because we need to tackle some of the challenges that we face in construction, productivity, cost increase, uh, sustainability, um, time, and so on. And actually, we have used prefabrication as a method for quite some time, for decades, but we haven't really been able to use it to to solve these problems because we still face these problems. So uh, my understanding and analyze of that uh, is that we, we, we need to expand from only the production method. So we need to have a, a, like a bigger view. And, and that's where I think the industrial mindset comes into play. So that's why we, we call it industrialized construction uh, because it's, more parts that are needed to work together on a continuous basis. So we do the de decision on what um, part of the market or what type of products that we are building, for whom, in what way we have the relations with, with our uh, suppliers and customers on a long-term basis and so on. And in that way, we create the little ecosystem that is there for the long run. So uh, I think one of the biggest uh, differences is that in with a sort of strict industrial mindset, we we work more on a continuous basis, uh, and and we have moved away from this sort of strict uh, project focus, project orientation, and that's where I think we see most applications of prefabrication. Still, we prefabricate some building parts for the unique project. And that's good, of course, but it doesn't really solve all the problems that we uh, are facing in our industry. So maybe that sheds some light on on sort of the difference. Yeah, it it really does. And and I think one of the things that we should get into the show notes is is the eight plus one that you were alluding to there, which I'll I will dive a little deeper into now uh, with your permission. Um, if we look at your academic work, I note that in 2006, uh, you publish your licentiate thesis, which is a concept we don't have in Australia, but I understand that it's the kind of um, PhD dissertation that you release before you release your final one. Um, and that was called Industrialized House Building Concept and Processes. And then in 2015, you published your final thesis, which I'm not sure what the, the correct word is for that in, in Swedish, but um, and that was called Industrialized House Building Conceptual Orientation and Strategic Perspectives. Now, 
in reviewing those works again, I'd read them um, several years ago, but in reviewing them again for this um, for this interview, I noticed that your your sort of eight characteristics uh, for um, industrialized house building with the plus one, which is the continuous improvement, that was already present in your 2006 work. And so my question comes back to what changed for you in your study of the material between 2006 and 2015? Mm, yeah, the, the, the timeline is absolutely correct. Um, and um, what happened between 2006 and 15 uh, for me, uh, a lot of things, but uh, <laughs> in... Uh, in uh, let's not go into into detail in that but but what i mainly did was that i worked uh, i went sort of back to industry i worked uh, as a consultant and and uh, project leader of of different innovation projects so i get got to to work with the framework uh, in practice so to say uh, and and really um, got to work with all the different parts uh, of that. Um, and it what happened it was that the, the framework proved to stand the test, so to say, of, of many different industrialized construction implementations. So I was uh, involved in, in some of them, but I also got to see and, and study on a distance at least uh, a lot of different implementations. So, but when I then went back to uh, finalize my PhD work uh, in 2011, 12, or something like that, to work with it again, uh, uh, what I did then, or what I had seen, was that um, the model needed to be complemented uh, a little with some strategic aspects. So again, actually to, to lift this up even further from the project world uh, to, to really stress that to work with industrialized construction is a strategic um, activity and it needs to be treated that way. So what I, what I actually uh, published also in the PhD work was that uh, the eight plus one areas, that model, need to be have a foundation of three more things uh, a business strategy and a business model that is suitable for uh, for what we have decided to do that also outlines your specialization and the um, uh, the customer focus and so even further uh, it also has to have an organization that is shaped to work with industrialized construction uh, and it has to have a product and production strategy to even more uh, stress uh, that that's what this is about. So, so the model needed to have these three uh, parts of a foundation as well. So that's what, what uh, partly <laughs> what happened between 2006 and 15. Really interesting, Jerka. So when I was reviewing uh, your 2015 uh, final thesis uh, in the lead up to this interview, uh, I came across when I was reading some of the strategy chapters, uh, a couple of concepts uh, that you describe as the inside out and outside in perspectives. 
I just wonder if you could uh, shed some light on those concepts for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. It was actually quite eye-opening for me uh, too, uh, because these two uh, sort of very, from a very holistic view still, but but I think uh, the outside-in or market-based view is uh, to, to um, analyze the market, find the gaps on the market, and then create an offer to satisfy these needs, uh, on the market, on, from the customers, obviously, and then organize the optimal production product and production system for that. This is often referred to uh, Michael Porter's work, uh, who, who yeah, described the, the outside-in perspective in, in detail. That is con as a contrast to the inside-out perspective or the resource-based view and then the, uh, you go from sort of the, the company's core competence and its capabilities. That's the starting point of, of how to develop your, your offering and your concept. Then based on that, you create the customer offerings. And then you go out on the marketplace and, and offer your, uh, your products and your capabilities in that sense. Uh, and that's a, that is a different uh, perspective, and it doesn't say that the one is better than the other, but it can at least help us to analyze why companies look uh, uh, like they do and how they have uh, moved on the market and how they have developed on the market and maybe how fast they can adapt to changes and so on. Uh, so, so it's been very interesting, I think, for me. And I made also a diagram where I could, uh, where, when I had examined uh, many different companies, and it became clear to me why they, uh, why they were as they were, uh, because of their origin. If they came from a market-based view, outside in, or if they came from a resource-based view, the inside-out uh, perspective. And so, Jörg, yeah, an example. I'm, I'm thinking of a, of a company, and forgive me if I get the name wrong. Uh, Martinsons uh, that I went to visit in Sweden uh, several years ago. And they, if I memory serves me correctly, they started life as a sawmill making timber and then eventually migrating into housing. That's an example of the inside out. Yes, exactly. Because then yeah. you use your competence in their case as a, as a woodworking company. They have uh, excellent competence in that and then they could uh, push it forward from being a sawmill to being a glue lamb company and then eventually being a CLT company. So that's an excellent uh, example of that. Great, great. Um, so with, I mean, I, I was at a, an event here in Australia um, last week uh, where um, somebody from industry uh, flashed your um, eight plus one diagram of the eight uh, characteristics of industrialized house building and continual improvement on the screen and referred to it as the Lessing model. And I thought you would have been very uh, pleased to see that being used in that way down here in Australia. Um, obviously, that's what a lot of people think of when they think of your work. 
I also just wanted to give you an opportunity to um, suggest uh, some other contributions to knowledge that you you have made in industrialized building. Yeah, uh, thanks. Uh, and uh, absolutely, I, I was almost um, blushing here uh, with uh, <laughs> being <laughs> happy and a little proud as well. Um, well, I think uh, I think one of, of my contributions um, have been the sort of the straightforward description of industrialized construction, what it what it is and and also, uh, that that is possible to use on a very holistic level to describe what this is at all, so to say. And then when that sinks in, you can also use that on a fairly detailed level. So it's not only uh, shallow, but it's it's actually possible to, to use on a fairly detailed level. Um, and I think also that I have described industrialized construction from a strategic perspective and not only a technical or production uh, related uh, perspective. I think that's been a contribution as well because uh, I think then many more have been able to, to grasp it and to see how it fits in on, on an industry level and not only on a, on a project or, or building uh, level because we we can back in history we have many books and, and reports and and much work that has been done on different building systems and and in uh, how to solve uh, difficult technical challenges in a smart way by by creating systems and so on that's great but uh, I think the strategic aspect I think is maybe one of my contributions as well to to put it in its in context in that sense. Definitely. And I, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. And I would also direct our listeners, um, if if they're able to link through from the show notes to some of those works at some of the case studies you did, uh, and I can't quite recall at the moment whether that was in 2006 or in 2015, but you actually use your 8 plus 1 model as a way of kind of scoring with a spider chart where particular companies sit um, and, and I thought that was really useful as well, Jerka, as a further progression of those characteristics to be able to use that as a bit of a dashboard or health check for a company. Um, yeah, so I... exactly. And, and that's actually also uh, what, I, what I was thinking when uh, saying that, yes, the framework, uh, on a first glance, it's on the holistic level, but the, the radar chart ranging from a level zero to a level four in each of these eight uh, areas, then it it deepens and it goes more into detail and you can start to see that, aha, there's not one way to do industrialized construction. There are almost infinite ways to do it because it has to be completely adapted uh, to exactly what you as a company have decided to do. And that's when when it gets uh, much more uh, complex and and also much more interesting. So so that's uh, that's exciting, I think. Yeah, it's a great tool, and I can recommend to companies that might be listening to to take it for a spin and and be honest uh, with your assessments. Um, Yaka, I'd like to move back to Buklok. 
um, and discuss uh, a little more about the company. Um, you know, when I think of Buclock, I think of how customer driven it is. It, for me, it's it's the complete um, uh, polar opposite in a way to to that example we just discussed of Martinsons that started, you know, from the very inside out, as you um, uh, put it, to outside in, in that it is really customer driven. It's really focused on a particular market segment. It has a really, really clear balance between who that customer is, what that product is, and then what the production system is. And of course, it's a it's a joint venture between IKEA and Skanska, as you spelled out in the beginning. Mm. They're some of the highlights that I would pull out, but I'd be really keen to hear, in your view, why you think it's been so successful and what is that, to use your term again, uh, recipe for success uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Thanks. Uh, just want to add also for the listeners that Martinsons is also a very successful and, and a great <laughs> company. So don't get uh, don't get math wrong here. Uh, but you're absolutely right that we we have completely different profiles. Of course, we're doing completely different things and so on. Uh, but anyway, uh, no. But you're right, Matthew. Uh, Bookluck is customer driven we are a market based uh, company so what was done already in from the start was to to decide that okay we are going to focus on uh good homes for the many people uh and then okay the many people that's a big group okay so let's zero in on on a little slightly more narrow uh, customer group they did that they did their homework uh, and really got to understand and and know the customer and their what they could pay and their priorities and how their the families were sort of uh, set up the i mean in terms of how many are going to live in the homes where do they want to live how do they want to live and so on and so on and so on and that was the start. And then that was translated into uh, the first products. And we, we do this actually uh, the same way still, but of course not from, from a blank paper. But so the customer insights were, were um, translated into a, a product in terms of design. And then uh, the production system uh, was set up to produce those products and and that has been one part of the the recipe for success optimization so we we set up our production system only to produce our uh, products we didn't have to have the flexibility to build whatever other clients asked us to do so we we decided only to build for ourselves uh, so that's one thing and then I think also part of the, the success is that we have had the courage and opportunity to stick to our narrow niche, to really specialize and to optimize our product, our production, as I said, but also all other processes that are optimized and set up only for doing what we do and nothing else. So the specialization part is is very, very obvious. 
and then adding, uh, of course, a, a nice company culture and, and great people and all that, that, that has helped, uh, of course. But it also comes natural when, when you have a specialization, when you have, have a goal and you have a, a very clear role and a mission on the market, then it's also easier to find the right people and to get a really strong company culture. Mm. But I, I would say the specialization and the optimization and the sticking to the, the, the decision, that has been super important. And yeah, I could, I'm just interested in having followed several companies through their, their journeys. Uh, I think listening to you talk about specialization carries a particular significance because building takes a long time. Uh, industrialized construction companies take a long time to develop. You said you're no longer a startup, given that you were founded in 1996. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, exactly. a, a tech company uh, is probably not a startup after 10 years. Um, so um, I think it's still probably technically okay to be a startup if you're 20 years old in the construction industry. So I, I think I just want to go to that specialization issue because there must have been moments on the journey where the pressures were enormous to diversify and and to create you know seven different product lines and and do the things that certain companies do or some of the challenges mm. that new businesses find in trying to find that market how has Buclock dealt with that issue to be I guess, consistently drawn or distracted off target? Mm, I think, I think again, the, the very clear uh, mission that this uh, is what we do and also the strategy that our recipe to do it is uh, to use a narrow uh, product range and do that well. Uh, and I think a really good thing has been to to have two owners of this concept so when occasionally one of the the parts have have wanted to to drift away a little the other part <clears throat> ha, uh, has been able to to hold back and vice versa so so i think uh, that has been very uh, beneficial to have two really strong owners of of this concept to to keep keep the, the company uh, on track so to say um and then also in in terms of the organizational setup is that bookluk is organized with one holding company called bookluk ab and that's the company who owns the rights uh, to uh, the brand and the concept and and uh, that's from there it, uh, sort of the policy is, is stated and if if uh, we as the executor uh, company of this if we don't do it like what what is stated in the policy well then it's not actually seen as book look and then it's a different story so it's been very important to, to also stick to uh, the concept of of book look that is stated in in the policy so to say so that's been been successful as well yeah that's an interesting concept it's uh, it's almost like a, a constitution 
uh, of the company that that keeps everyone focused on that on that kind of north star. Um, I, I want to come back to uh, a comment you made earlier when you said let's remember why we need to industrialize at all and you you list off the, a couple of the key issues you mm. know like productivity improvements cost time quality these sorts of issues I, I don't suppose it's easy to do but for the listeners that maybe haven't seen Bucloc, maybe don't know about the product offering yet and haven't had a chance to hit the internet to look at it what what kind of benefits would you think, and I'm not asking you to list numbers here, but I, I'm, I, I guess I am asking, has the industrialized construction methodology paid off, do you think, as evidenced by Buchlock in terms of productivity, cost, time, and quality? Mm. Uh, yeah, in terms of uh, quality, it's, it's, uh, it's good quality for... Uh, I mean, it's it's as any other uh, home or building, uh, I, I would say. Um, in terms of cost, it's we have had uh, or we have been in, in the lower price range of the housing market. That has been very clear for us. And, and that is reflected on the price. So we have had a significantly lower price than the surrounding markets where we have been acting in terms of time we have uh, i mean this is maybe the most uh, evident uh, uh, use of industrialized construction methods because it's really really fast so it's definitely at least half the time or even even shorter when we compare it to traditional construction in total uh, if we just look at the the assembly of of uh, the modules because we produce in volumetric elements that we call modules and then we bring them to the site and assemble them uh, that alone we do in less than a week so we assemble the modules for a four-story apartment building we do that in three to four days so that's extremely quick wow. but that's of course not a complete building then but yeah. but so speed is is uh, is very is very evident in, in, in terms of benefits out of uh, industrialized construction. Uh, wow. And then actually also sustainability, because we have been able to, as again, uh, optimize and really work with, uh, with sustainability on a continuous basis to continuously lower uh, the use of material, uh, waste, uh, to... Uh, include uh, energy efficient solutions in our product platform. For example, uh, in 2018 already, we decided to have solar uh, panels on all our residential buildings as a part of the product platform. So not having to discuss in every project if we should have it or not, we, we, we developed a, a concept for it to choose from a couple of different sizes. And then we that was, since then, a natural part of the product platform, just as natural as balconies or windows or doors or, or so. So, so that's uh, one way to, to include also sustainable solutions in a product platform and make it happen on a scale. Wow. 
Yeah, that sounds amazing. And of course, uh, sustainability is one of those key reasons uh, that we should be thinking about industrializing and building. Uh, mm. Just sort of drawing a line under our discussion of Buclock for, for a little, um, what do you think other companies and or countries can learn from the work that you have done at Buclock? Well, if you want to do something similar, I think it's it it is really powerful to start with the customer understanding and dare to select your customer segment to focus on and then use that as input for your product development to sort of translate that into a, a product or a concept or so. And then after that, create the production system. Either you do it on your own or you find the right uh, network of suppliers and partners to do it, but, but create the production system on a co for continuous use. That I think would be uh, good advice. Yeah. And then I think super important, stick to your concept. <laughs> I mean, it, it is, of course, you can't change it after six months or, I mean, you have to, to really try it out. That doesn't mean that you uh, can't change anything. Of course, we have to tweak and change and, and do improvements all the time. But I think you really have to give it a chance and stick to it and let it prove itself. And then I think my last advice would be, at least if we have Book Luke as an example, start Capital Light. Yeah. Don't do too heavy investments uh, up front before you have tweaked and adjusted your solutions. And when you, you feel that you have the market, then you can start doing some a little more heavy investments. Uh, but I think you can you can do with pretty, pretty simple solutions from the start, uh, try it out and then uh, make investments when you, you feel that it's it's solid. So those were uh, would be my my advice. That's fantastic advice, Jeka, and I can I can see the the millions of dollars of savings that different companies around the world are making as they uh, as they sit here and listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, with I that hope so. Ec excellent it's, advice. I um, hope so because it's well needed uh, all around the planet. Uh, so so um, there's a lot of room for for creativity here. Yeah, I, I agree. And and I also think, you know, on a serious note, um, you know, we need more housing, we need more buildings, we need ways that we can do that more efficiently, more effectively. And here we have in the shape of a company that you're research director of, one that's shown a way to do that really, really effectively. And so I, I do think there is a, a serious element to to, to those recommendations, which is to say there is a best practice out there. And for those people that are really interested, then um, by all means, um, dig a little deeper into Buclock and the work that Yak has done. Um, Yaka, I, I, for, for those people that perhaps don't know as much about Sweden as, as certainly as you and, and maybe to a lesser degree me, the the most recent figure I saw was that around eighty percent of the market of detached housing in Sweden is made up of prefabricated, modular, industrialized building approaches. Right, which is if 
if that figure is correct for a, for a large-ish developed country or a medium-sized developed country, that's pr- the highest figure in the world. Um, mm. And I guess my next question is to wonder if you ever reflect on your position in the world, uh, meaning why do you think it is that Sweden leads the world in industrialized house building? And, you know, an additional point to that would be, why do you think the study of industrialized construction is so strong in Sweden? And I suppose another way to wrap up both of those questions is what is it about Sweden? (laughs) (laughs) No, I think uh, it has, of course, um, uh, different different aspects of it. But I think one is that Sweden is an innovative country. We have a long history also of, of timber industry development, as we talked a little about. That has led to uh, industrial production of uh, building elements and eventually also the ho- whole houses in terms of single family homes. That was sort of the start. And that part of, of our industry has, it's more than a hundred years old actually. So there's a long history and a lot of knowledge in that. We also, if we, I mean, we see the more, the bigger construction industry, it's also generally uh, progressive and and, uh, innovative. Uh, Also there, we have over the years tried various solutions for industrialized uh, construction, not least in the 1960s, 70s, we, we tried systems building and so on. So so a lot of a lot of knowledge were, were gained uh, also there but then i think maybe the last 20 25 years we have had a very successful uh, industry academia research programs that have uh, pushed sort of the knowledge forward and the benefit with with a lot of benefits for both parts both industry and academia i think um that was also when more the more contemporary understanding of industrialized construction uh, was was founded and and it went really hand in hand because we saw some really interesting industry implementations and that was reinforced with academic uh, research and and industry close uh, research that has been super uh, super beneficial and successful um, a, a completely different aspect of why Sweden is uh, leading in, in industrialized construction is also, again, it's a small country, but we have also many very successful manufacturing companies. I mean, we have uh, Volvo and we have Scania, we have uh, Ericsson, we have ABB, we have uh, Sandvik and so on and so on. I think in in two minutes, we could list 25 super successful global manufacturing product oriented uh, companies. Correct. And that's interesting because we we are a small country. We have all these uh, companies. We have a growing interest or industrialization also in construction. And then we have this uh, enormous pool of, of knowledge and competence in other industries that are fairly close to us. So we have been able to learn from each other and, and actually also transfer people from manufacturing companies to construction. So we see now in, in 
in in many industrialized construction companies we have people that have experience from other uh, industries and that is also very powerful of course to sort of shortcut um the knowledge transfer in, in that sense so that's been i think maybe not historically but but now fairly recently i i think that has increased and and that's very exciting i think um Final question about Sweden, uh, which will give away once and for all to our listeners that I'm a complete Sweden fan. Um, but I guess the question is, do you see any other uh, countries on the horizon who are on in track or online to achieve similar things to what Sweden has done and perhaps even surpassed Sweden in terms of the the level of industrialization in the construction industry or the sophistication of mm. the um, research and industry collaborations and all of those sorts of things. Is there is there a country or a place that you're aware of, maybe even a city? Yeah, I think... I mean, first of all, I think we as a as a country, we really need to constantly develop and innovate to stay uh, stay ahead, if we put it that way. It doesn't mean that it's a competition, but we I mean, we can't sit down and relax and say, okay, good, good. Now everything is done with industrialized construction because it's it's definitely not. So we need to constantly develop, and I think, there's a big need for like a next step in in research and development, both in industry and in academia. So uh, so that's one. I think, and also what I've seen around the world is that uh, there is a lot going on in, for example, in the US, the last 10 years that I have been in California back and forth, first year, Maybe we we found like two three companies uh, that we could argue uh, were were doing some type of industrialized construction work, and now we can easily make a list of twenty five companies. Mm, yeah. So so that's just an example that there's a lot happening in the U.S. and in California. The same development I think we see in. Uh, in the UK, we see it in uh, Germany. Uh, fairly lately, I've seen some really interesting uh, companies, uh, both startups, but also very established companies that have uh, developed and evolved over time that now definitely really strong industrialized construction companies. We see in uh, Hong Kong, we see in Singapore, and and of course Japan has has also for a long time been very mature in industrialized construction, and we see what is happening in in Australia with a lot of interest and also very strong industry academia um, collaboration. So I think what we see is that there is a lot going on around the world. And I think uh, the the pace of development is also really, really quick. So I hope that we are getting closer to each other. Uh, but of course, uh, to some extent, I hope also that we are ready now in Sweden to take the next step and maybe show show the way and and lead the way in in some in some aspect. That thank you, Jaka. that's that's really interesting view, and I think you do have a very 
unique perspective because of your cross-industry academia uh, position, position to understand exactly what is going on out there, which I guess brings me to my final kind of wrap-up question. Based on what you're seeing going on in these different jurisdictions, Singapore, Japan, the US, and, and uh, mm. parts of other parts of Europe like Germany, et cetera, uh, and Australia, not to forget, um, mm, what's your prediction for the next uh, five years in our industry? Do you think it'll be more of the same or or are we in for some kind of shake-up or, dare I say, disruption? Yeah, it's always hard to predict future, of course. Um, but if we look back five years, for example, uh, a lot has happened. I mean... Uh, huge investments, huge uh, land winnings in in development and so on. So I think if we turn uh, turn our head around and try to look into the future, I think we will see a similar uh, development in the coming years, uh, meaning a strong development uh, in industrialization. Uh, we will see implementations in even more countries, I think. Uh, I think we will see it not only for residential, which is maybe the most common, but we will see it in office buildings, um, maybe industry buildings, like large, really large buildings. We have some interesting examples actually uh, here in both here in Sweden and I've seen also in California for uh, large data centers. Uh, that can definitely apply industrialized construction principles. So I think for many different types of products or buildings, we will see it. Uh, industrialization as a movement, but we will, of course, also see that digitalization will play an even stronger role and maybe sometimes be um, that 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 dig digitalization will be... Um, the spark for for innovation to a higher degree that in industrialization we have maybe seen digitalization as a complement and something that supports the concept but now we can see some interesting development where uh, digital solutions can be the spark for also industrialization so that will be super interesting and exciting to see what will happen in the sort of interplay between digitalization and industrialization. And then I think uh, the most important aspect is sustainability. And I think and I hope that sustainability will be the driver for industrialized construction and digitalization. I think actually it will be very difficult to tackle climate change and, and sustainability issues if we don't use methods that can scale. And industrialized construction and digitalization has scalability built in. And that's a really good reason to, to use these uh, methods and tools and, and processes to uh, not least to tackle uh, sustainability. Fantastic, Jörg. I think that's a really uh, great place to end our conversation just for today. This conversation is going to continue for very many years to come, Jörg, I'm sure. Yes, I, I, I really hope so too, and I'm sure we will. 
Uh, I want to thank you for your time today. Um, for our listeners, as always, notes and references will be added online in the show notes. Uh, thanks so much for listening. And thank you once again, Yaka, for joining us and sharing your insights. Thanks a lot, Matthew. It was my pleasure.